This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Vet Candy's podcast in other news, a podcast to expand your idea of what is impacting the veterinary world, veterinarians, and all animal care professionals as humans. We are your co-hosts, Dr. Jen. And Dr. Jason Chatfield. If you are not yet a Vet Candy subscriber, why not? Please subscribe for free today at myvetcandy.com. You can also reach us at Jen at myvetcandy.com. Jason at myvetcandy.com. And our topic today is the 2019 novel coronavirus. Yes, in other news. Wait, the, the what? Didn't we do this already? Yeah, we did. And you can tell Jason's okay. so eager and excited because he's, he's actually really loud on this. Oh, well, I'll think week. that. I am, ve- I am very excited. So I guess we'll do it again. Okay, here we go. So in other news, oh my the gosh. coronavirus is still around. Yes, the coronavirus is still very much around. <laughs> and luckily, luckily, Jason... We have uh, been able to get our guest back. Oh, we like consistency. We like consistency. Especially when it's consistency with an expert on coronaviruses. So Dr. Gary Whitaker is joining us again. Welcome again, Dr. Whitaker. Welcome back. Hello. That's right. Um, (laughs) That's right. Hello. And he still has an accent. He still has an accent, so he still sounds smarter than us. Right off the bat. Yeah, don't don't get fooled by the British accent. It doesn't really do anything. We're fooled. We're fooled. No, no. Anyway, so we really appreciate you joining us because there's been a whole lot of stuff happening since last we spoke. Yeah, when was uh, that? Like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, it, something like that. Yeah, three. A lot's, happened. a lot's happened. It has. I mean, in the life of a novel coronavirus, right? A lot's happened. Um, yeah. So we got more people with the disease. We know more about the disease, don't we? Um, a little. Yeah, we know. Well, we're getting more information. Whether we know more or not, I'm, I'm not sure. But we're getting more information. <laughs> ah, well said. <laughs> Well said. Very well said. What I do know is that the media has hit the freak out button with this virus probably in the last week and a half. I mean, absolutely. The United States, so that makes a big difference, right? And especially in Washington State and California, it's it's big news. Yes, it it is big news. I mean, so I guess since we last spoke, they've they repatriated a whole bunch of people. The State Department like chartered airplanes and sent them over to Asia brought the people back, quarantined them at military bases, tested everybody, figured out that, you know, one out of every, I don't know, how, a thousand people or something tested positive. I think, the they also CDC, figured out that, I think they also figured out the test wasn't all that great as well. Yeah. yeah. Test, right? You know, whether it's, so they, the CDC had a test and you know, then they were about to release it to the state labs and then <laughs> stop that. And then they've, I guess, I think it was a three primer set and, there was something yes. wrong with it. Came to a two primer set, and now it's been released, and so it's. But well, you know, they had to test their test before they sent it to test. Right. They had yeah, to yeah, something like that. Make sure it was valid. It was reproducible. Like, obviously, we, if we're going to test, we want to make sure the test is is the best it can be. So it's important. of course, That's absolutely. Right. So yeah, which is tests. Right. Yeah, you know, tests. Tests are not easy. Always black and white. It's not that little blue line on the snap test that we expect, and it's it, we need to interpret. And now they think they have it. They have it down now, right? Is that correct? Seems to be good. Seems mm-hmm. to be accurate. Seems to be repeatable. Yeah, I mean, but it was a little bit when they first sent it out. It was a little bit like a wah wah, right? Yeah. Um, because 
they didn't have all the all the reagents correct and everything else. And so, but I think what's really interesting about that when you usually when you have an infectious disease outbreak, normally when you want to get a like a um, a confirmed positive, right? You get your presumptive positive at your local lab, and then you can get confirmed positive at the usually at the CDC or a federally accredited lab, and it, it usually takes a little bit. But it seems with this coronavirus that we jump right to boom, confirmed yeah. positive. Fast, fast a, track. I mean, things were, were, yeah, you kind of have to fast track and, and under those scenarios, and yeah. So it's, but it's not the way you would ex, you would hope in terms of just rolling out a test and really te- make, you know, getting everything validated and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. Yeah, and and also my understanding is the method they're using to test now, testing people and apparently at least one dog, is uh, the the PCR, right? And so it's nasopharyngeal swabs, and then they PCR, and PCR is interesting, right? Like Aunt Jen's tips, if you're taking an infectious disease exam, the -hmm. answers are always PCR, bats, or the letter C, right? (laughs) And you'll be good. So I think this falls into that category, right? Like we're doing PCR. Yeah. So we're, we're detecting we're detecting nucleic acid of virus. We're not we're not necessarily detecting virus. That's some, always something to keep in mind. It's not not you know it could be you know because viral nucleic acid can come from the environment. The mm-hmm. you know the, the owner could have sneezed on the dog's fur and it was just picked up um, you know in that way. I mean, yeah. and, and another thing that comes up a lot is um, vaccines. You know, or a prior exposure. This is not obviously not the case here, but right. you know, if if you get it, you know, it's, it's amazing how long the nucleic acid can stick around after a, a virus is resolved. And you know, the issue now is with you know, we've got these panels. You go, you know, your, your cat or your dog gets gets respiratory right. disease, and it gets sent out to a panel, and um, there's ten things on the panel, and comes back with five or six of them positive, and like, okay, what does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> what, what, what is the <laughs> dog really sick with? Yeah, cleared that right up, didn't they? Yeah, yes. clears that up. And you know what else though is um, we always think that PCR is super fantastic. And you know if you, if you have a negative PCR, then you know that you have a negative PCR. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you you know may have like bad sample collection or um, maybe they weren't shedding at the time, etc. Right. Yeah. So it's and it's actually kind of kind of hard sometimes to get good nasal swabs or in, in, in animals, I mean, cats yeah. especially, you know, you, you know, putting anything up a cat's nose is not easy. So, yes. I mean, yeah, so this, yes. it's, yeah, it's hard. Might be a bit, might be a bit of an understatement there. So. <laughs> yes. That's well, like, and you know, thing coming out. by the same token, like um, getting an, an effective nasal pharyngeal swab from something like a dachshund, it's also <laughs> yeah. tricky. It's yeah. an up close and personal test that you're gathering. And so, but then the other thing is if you have a positive PCR, you know that there's DNA present, but what you don't know is if it's viable, right? And that was your right. point earlier. Yeah. Is, is, it, is it actually an infection? Is it, is it an, even an infectious virus or is it just mm-hmm. some nucleic acid that's come from, you know, either from a, a former infection or from a vaccine or, 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 or just from the environment or, or, or it's just there and it's not really doing anything? And so right now, like if we take the case of that particular dog in Hong Kong and uh, we'll say... Candyverse, none of the three of us has any personal knowledge of that case, right? right? Like, we're not involved. We don't know. We're reading the press reports. But they, you know, they tested the dog with a PCR and they said it was positive. And it's the dog that belongs to reportedly someone who was positive for novel corona. And now they've tested it, I think, two or three more times subsequently. And they said it's positive, but they still don't know if that means he's infected. Yeah. And they still don't know if it means he could 
give the virus away. Yes, it's right. kind of ruled out the environmental contamination, I suppose. You know, once that happens multiple times, you can rule that out, but there's still a lot of other things to rule out. Yeah, I think the press reports it as whatever, what, you know, quote unquote, a weak positive, whatever, whatever on earth that means, but that, that's how they, they say it in the newspapers. Everybody reads that as a weak positive. Mm hmm. And so what would be kind of the next step, do you think, Dr. Rickett, or do you have any idea? Because I know I've seen an article that said they're going to look at antibody titers to yeah. determine if the dog's truly infected. Yeah, I mean, that would, well, antibody titers have their own issues. I mean, this, yep. we have to be careful about cross-reactivity here. We've got, you know, so anti, you know depending on the antibody, you know, that's, PCR is, is, is exquisitely sensitive, or it's, specific do you design your probe against the very specific thing as soon as you get into antibody testing antibodies are not always that selective so we have mm -hmm. to think about other viruses that i mean we're we're a beta coronavirus there are dogs do have beta coronaviruses already um the mm -hmm. canine respiratory coronaviruses are you know so till we know more about how specific that antibody test might be we have to kind of think about it's a lot of often a lot of things to think about with a, with a test that people don't realize but couldn't you also have an elevated antibody titer just from exposure not necessarily infection well you, i think the antibody would have to be a response to the infection so a rising titer is is really an, an indication of actual infection oh that you're talking about a rising like if you do paired titers yeah. so if we take so, a blood sample and then a week or two weeks later yeah. we take another one and it continues on the right. upward it's, tick it's some, back, That's, some background and you know yeah. but but a an antibody titer is is clearly indication of infection. And okay. The other the animals mounted an immune response and and responded to the infection. So so a okay. titer it does tell you there's actually been an infection. It's not just the virus is there and hanging out. It's actually infected the and, and caused an immune response. So that that so that does help. And then Jason, you sent me an article earlier today, or or we were chatting about it about a drug that people are talking about kind of on the internet saying, why aren't they treating people with this? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there, there's the FIP coronavirus in cats and, and people yeah. found out, people, you know, lay people found out about, we have some stuff to treat cats. Why are we giving it to humans? What's going on here? Right. So that was actually a legitimate question. And the article basically, we, you know, it's an interesting article, but Gary, uh, you, you want to kind of fill us in and see why, why can't we just use what we're using on cats, even though it's, you know, kind of new, why can't we just give it to humans and see what happens? Yeah, well, That's sort of an idea. Think, a, a, so the whole, the whole antiviral treatment of cats has been an, an interesting trajectory. So it's tangent. About the same time. Very good. Yeah. There's some really good solid data in, in, in publications, which is showing that these drugs are beneficial to cats with FIP, um, but they're not really, they haven't been through FDA approval or mm -hmm. test, testing. And in the meantime, the, you know, the drugs are available on the internet and mm -hmm. they're not, you know, so there's, there's a lot of questions about. By internet, do you mean the black market? Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> what the word you want to use. Um, but, but there are companies, I mean, they're not really the black, I don't know if, if I want to use the word the black market. There are, ah, companies, yeah. you know, there are companies, so it's not, I think we, we have to be careful about how to yeah. describe these. So there are, there are companies, you know, selling drugs and, um, but yeah, I think I'm accurate in saying it's not, these are not FDA approved. So they're, it would be off label use at yeah, a minimum. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but also what I'm hearing from you is that maybe there's purely anecdotal evidence that it's effective, but no peer reviewed case studies indicating that it's effective in a large population. Yeah. There's some, yeah, there's, there's studies that maybe would be pilot studies, but this, you know, okay. this, this, yeah, it hasn't really been through full clinical trials. Let's say put it that way. Yeah, um, and I think that's what we're facing with the human stuff too, right? That remdesivir. Remdesivir. 
is I think Rems Devere. Who names these things, Doctor Whitaker? Who's naming this stuff? So that so that's an, another situation where you no, know, sometimes we have to fast track for yeah. if there's a, if there's a reason. Um, but it, we have to but we have to be uh, you know you have to be careful when we fast track because these bad things can happen. But Rems yes. is another you know that's a drug kind of in the same category as the FIP drugs, to be honest. And it's, yeah. it started out life as an Ebola drug. And if you know the, the history of Remsdivir, so it was, it was, oh. it was, it really was a, it was, came out of an Ebola discovery pipeline. That's this is my understanding. And it was actually used in, um, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, just this, that, like, you know, they have the outbreak last year and it was actually, mm-hmm. and the, there were several clinical trials were run. Oh yeah. Remsdivir was one, one of the clinical trials. It didn't actually do a very, you know, didn't really pass clinical trials for Ebola. Uh-huh. But in the meantime, the parent compound or the compound itself was being looked at in cell culture for SARS and MERS, and it was, yeah, affected there. And Oh, uh, interesting. And so that's where, where we come to sort of shunt it off, off to this, you know, COVID-19 yeah. now because it's enough, you know, so that the Ebola drug now become a COVID drug. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what's funny about that? There's another drug that now permeates our society that was an accidental finding. Right, they were trying to figure out what to do with uh, how to treat. Uh, I think blood pressure in humans. It's a little blue pill, right? Viagra oh, yeah, made sure. the market. Right? <laughs> they yeah. discovered that. Yeah, it, happens, it happens a lot. I mean, you, yeah. you, can ra- you can rationally design a drug all you want, but sometimes yeah. it's just it, it just works in a way that you don't predict. And yeah. You know, so we just we have to be. And there's a lot of you know there's a lot of interest right now, and you know I'm doing some of these myself, and just in terms of looking at the whole these panels of FDA approved drugs. That can just be rescreened for for a different purpose, and you know we've got a project right now. We're gearing up with the NAH. To, they have a high throughput screening, so we're we're partnering with them to try you know, their platform of, of drugs, which are already approved and been through safety profiling. And so if they, if they do work, then it can be fast tracked because all the safety. You know, yeah. Oh, because the safety's already been evaluated, right? right. Because it's already it, been. It was, pre- it was in plan so- for something else, and it failed. But maybe it, it can be repurposed and. Yeah. You know, you know, a bit like the little blue pill. So, yeah. Oh, really, interesting. Certainly, certainly a good option rather than starting. Yeah. It takes a really long time and it's really expensive. Yes. You can short circuit the whole process by repurposing it, an existing. In a safe way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a safe way. So, uh, we're going to take a quick break. You guys know we got to pay some bills. So, we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side of it, I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Whitaker if we should let uh, Jason leave the basement in the face of this COVID-19 outbreak. See if it's safe. So, hang with us and we'll see you on the other side. That candy makes your life easier with scientific news, clinical updates, and expert lifestyle tips. Sign up for free at MyFatCandy.com and start making your life sweeter. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. Well, we are chatting uh, with Dr. Gary Whitaker all about COVID-19, which is the darling of the news media these days. So I did promise that I would ask Dr. Whitaker 
you know what like is it okay like you know jason wants to um schedule, i really want to you know, go once somewhere a week, yeah, yeah once a week time out of the basement i'm, I'm terrified <laughs> to leave now i, I don't know you know, I got to be careful what I read because I shouldn't go anywhere. I shouldn't get in my car. I'm just been yeah. stuck. I'm running out of food. So <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening out there in the real world here. So can you help me out, my yeah. friend? What I'm concerned about right now is going somewhere and getting quarantined. <laughs> getting stuck else. there, right? Listen, I quarantined myself. So right. that should be no problem to, for that, <laughs> right? Traveling, yeah. traveling within the United States, uh, yeah. I, would, I, I wouldn't be concerned. Even getting on an airplane, I, I'm not too concerned. But going overseas and getting, uh, get, yeah. hitting some travel ban and getting quarantined 14 days mm-hmm. uh, you know, either overseas or in a military base when I get back is not, not my so idea. Of I have a little bit of a question for that. So it's very simple, not sciencey at all, not nerdy like you guys. Who pays for that? If they say you got to be quarantined, who pays? Do you mean who pays for that? Does the government pay for that? Do I got to pay for that? I don't know. When I, that came up actually with the Ebola when people were getting quarantined for a bowler and it wasn't clear. And I, I'm assuming in this case, there's the federal money to pay for all that. But I think there is some question about health, you know, who pays healthcare bills. And- right. Anyway. I strongly suspect it depends. A, is the disaster declared in that area? Like mm-hmm. did the governor declare the disaster already? And, and, and then B, who's ordering the quarantine? Is it voluntary quarantine? Like we're, we're urging you to self-quarantine in your home, then you're going you're gonna to be on top of that. But if they're sticking you at a military base, feds yeah. are paying for it. Yeah. 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 So, so, here, so that leads me to um, actually uh, another question. So based on what we now know, because like you said, Dr. Whitaker, we're finding out new things all the time. I fly on airplanes a lot. And when we last spoke, I wasn't concerned about sitting on an airplane because this is droplet spread. Um, it's not airborne like measles or something. And so I figure if, if I get on the airplane, as long as I don't touch anything that's wet made by a stranger, I'm okay. Is that still like, what do you think about, um, you know, air travel and stuff now? I mean, obviously a, a, a lot of people are worried. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I, I see like the, I'm sure the airline companies are looking at very bad projections in terms of mm-hmm. planes being full and, so, so there are people are worried, and it's not measles. It's not going to go all the way across the plane. But if you're sitting right next to somebody, sure, yeah, then yeah, I think it is. There is some cause for concern. Yeah, um, just because in that close proximity, because people are pretty in close proximity on planes these days. Yeah, and and you know what I think? Uh, yeah, close proximity on planes. Uh, I, yeah, that's that's an understatement. I would term it extremely close proximity. <laughs> oh it's ridiculous. God practically sitting in the other person's yeah. lap. But so, you know, the other thing is that's what they're, so like in America, when we get sick, like, especially when we get like flu like symptoms or cold like symptoms, like, what do we do? Do we go to the doctor? No, you stay, we stay home. I mean, we like, quarantine ourselves in the basement. We, typically. Yeah, I mean, we I don't, you know, we go to work. We go to work, man. Take some Advil. Go to work. Got to make that money. Cause, yeah, because we're like we're not gonna we're not gonna use a sick day to actually be sick. No, right? that's for vacation. <laughs> I know, but I think in the face of this, well, always during influenza season. I when I when I had people that worked for me, if they came in sick, I said, "Why are you here? Get out! I don't want it." Right? <laughs> go go right. home. I think that's one of the biggest things that the government, you know, the CDC is encouraging people: take your sick days, stay home. Yeah, right now, I mean, that, that's the the message more than ever right you know is, is stay home don't, don't take any chances you don't know what you've got and yeah also though is it isn't it not not you guys you guys know all about this and you got to correct me but aren't you are you contagious before you're showing signs like up to like two or three days that's pretty scary yeah there's that that's that's what's different about this. right I mean, let's say so i mean you know when sars came along it was pretty clear that 
you weren't you had it. until you were right. in clinical science. So it was easy to put right. people yes. in isolation, but yeah, so it was more isolation than quarantine. But um, that now we're because of this uncertainty and who, yeah, when people are really shedding, that's really tough because it's, yeah. it's much more about quarantine than isolation, and that's that uh, changes everything. Yep. You know, well, yeah, because isolation makes sense because <clears throat> we can see the person is ill. You can right. check yeah. their temperature and all that. But quarantine is like, man, you guess. could lie. Yeah. You could totally lie. <laughs> so what do you think will happen? So my concern is this. So I think in New Jersey today, they finally, like, they confirmed a case there. And, you know, yeah, like, I, I mean, I live in the country, so I don't worry too much about other people in illness unless I go into town. But in, a, like, a densely populated area like New Jersey, New York City, those places, do you think people are going to panic? Or, like, what, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I hope they won't panic, but I guess there's, you know, there's, there's certainly more, if you're in a city, there's more, you know, it's just really down to density of people. And, you know, yeah, I'm here in upstate New York, and I, I, I you know, to a large extent, I can kind of not come into contact with people if I don't want to. But if you're in a city and you're on the subway, then you have no choice. Right. Right. And, and, but that's when it's good to know that, you know, sit by yourself on the subway. <laughs> yeah, right. so also, it do, now it's probably a lot to do with my poor memory as people can attest. Uh, but it doesn't seem that the SARS and the MERS and all that stuff from, from uh, years ago had the same sort of situation in the United States where we, where we, I mean, or just, just in the press in general, where we're totally freaking out, but it does feel like, even though this has a, you know, I don't, I don't want to belittle the, the significance of the disease, but it does have a little bit of a, a low mortality rate. And, you know, it, but they seem to be like, I couldn't buy any hand sanitizer if I wanted to, you know, it's like, it's, it's like gold out there. Empty, it's crazy. Right? Yeah. And, and, and it just seems more so maybe it's a press thing. I'm not really sure, but are they right? And, and I'm wrong and I should be freaking out. Or is it just a typical kind of mass? You don't want to say hysteria because we're not there yet, but sort of, I got to take care of myself and get this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It just seems like it's more this go around than, than before. Yeah, I mean, the message is, is not so much with hand sanitizer, but with masks. Is that and masks, are, yes, for sure. People are, there's no masks. There's no mask inventory for, for love and money in terms of people. I mean, people, there's certain people who really need those masks and they just can't get them. The healthcare workers, the researchers, who they, you know, they, they need right. those. The inventory is just down to zero. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, have, I have colleagues who work on TB a lot and they get through a lot of N95 masks every week. And right. Yeah, that's a real deal, right? They, they can't do that work now because yeah. they, you know, they're yes. just, it's not safe. Well, and, but you know what's interesting about that is, you may not know this, Dr. Whitaker, but in a former life, I am a biological pathogen responder, okay. and you got to get fit tested, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, you got to get fit tested for any, yeah, any respiratory protection, including the N95. Right. It's, yeah, especially the N95s. If they're not fit yeah. tested, they're not really doing their job. So I mean, I, not- the regular surgical mask is one thing, but N95 is, and they're not, you know, you've, you've worn these things, they're not. You don't. You can't really wear these things for very long. They're not. not no, I'm like I'm not choosing to wear that unless I'm being told to by a safety officer, right? Like it's right. not fun times, and so I think it's the much easier if you're sick with respiratory illness, stay your little rear end at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, or stay at least six feet away from me so I don't get your droplets. So we have a, we have another friend in the Candyverse, Dr. Courtney Campbell. Um, he's a friend of ours. He's a surgeon, though, you know. Okay, mm-hmm. so he and he goes back and forth, and he argues all the time about whether or not something is a reverse zoonosis or not. Okay. And so he asked me about this um, as soon as the dog popped up and he says, so is this officially, this is a reverse zoonosis because the human gave it to the dog and the dog has not yet given it to a human. So what say you, Dr. Whitaker? 
about the dog. Well, that seems to be, yeah, it seems to be the, the that's what's going on. And and I think yeah, so we, we forget about animals getting sick from people. But and if we talked about with this COVID nineteen, that the big question is still where the well, where did the virus come from? I mean, right. It started out being linked to this live animal market in China and in, in Wuhan, and that seems to be that's the best link. But it seems to be people seem to be backing off that it may have started before that. And right, they brought it. The people just, came sick to the market. Right, and then the pangolins. Did we, did we talk about the pangolin story last time or not? But no, that, we yeah. talked about the snake. Remember, first right, the they thought it was right. snakes. Right, the yep. snake is, is gone. But now that then the pangolins came up, and and that's kind of gone now too. So that the, yes, and that probably is just a. I wouldn't know it's a reverse zoonosis or not, but you know, just as there's some virus, bat-like virus that acquired human you know, mm-hmm. infection, probably acquired pangolin infection, and it's just a parallel zoonosis, right. I would say, is, is maybe what's going on there. Well, I would be very ecstatic for it not to be the pangolin. Yeah. They don't need any bad press. <laughs> Poor pangolins. They already got it. <laughs> they already got yeah, it for that, things. Yeah, so, are you, so go ahead. Another interesting story about how the release of information through preprint servers is, is getting very interesting in terms of the science, you know, what the conventional way of publishing is dissipating very fast and people are yes. trying to get things into preprint servers and it's not. Yeah. It's more important to be first than correct. Right. So, right? That, yeah, that's, so that's part of the problem. I th- I would agree hundred percent with that. Yeah. So we have yeah, to but, get over this idea of the, the people who are first, everybody trying to be first. Because uh, not, at Vet Candy, we just want to be first to provide some transparent, reliable information with caveats on some of the craziness, uh-huh. right? And that's really part of it. Because I'll tell you, uh, people are panicking. There's all kinds of stories coming out. I, I think, I think um, a grain of salt with a lot of stories, especially those that are coming out of Asia, where you don't have good sources. It's not legitimate. You know, they're talking about they're killing thousands of dogs. I'm not saying they're not, but I'm also not saying they are. Yeah. Right. I mean, who really knows what's going on over there? And so has your point of view, and then we'll talk about vaccines right quick, but has your point of view as far as my risk and your risk and Jason's risk of contracting this changed? Well, it's, it has changed in the, from the sense of that it's clearly in the United States. So it's, it, the risk of contracting it has, has clearly changed since we last spoke. Because because the virus has moved, and I, mm-hmm. I don't think the in, in terms of medical risk, I don't think you know anything's changed. It's clearly targeting you know people elderly, people with pre-existing conditions, and that. I don't think that, as far as I can tell, that doesn't, hasn't really changed. Um, so um, medical risk is, is, but yeah, exposure risk is for me. It's in it's in New York City in New Jersey now. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it takes one person to come up on the bus and you walk into my office and then, I, you know, I, you know, so it's, it's definitely become closer to home. But I still have to get the schmutz on me, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, well, it, clo- it depends on clo- it's still, yeah, this close contact, close, close persistent yeah, it's not, it's not, contact. It's not, it's not like physical contact, but it's still mm-hmm. relatively close contact. I think. Yeah. But I can keep my personal bubble six yeah. feet away. Don't get hey. schmutz on me. Or, eight, or, feet. Or eight, eight feet, eight feet for, for Jason. No, yeah. no That's feet right. For you. I'm, I'm good with six feet. That's right. And you know what? We, we actually have an interloper who's joined us. He's muted himself, but Dr. Courtney Campbell has joined. I think, I think <laughs> he heard Dr. Whitaker say he was right. Okay. No, listen, I'm just fascinated by everybody's <laughs> contributions. To be honest, I'm like, I'm sitting here with bated breath because uh, everybody's <laughs> contributions have been fantastic. 
So thank you so much for that. I'll be honest with you. I just wanted to drill down on that reverse zoonosis question. Thank you, Jen, for asking it. Of um, course you do, Dr. Campbell, because Dr. Whitaker said you were right. Okay. Not at all. Not at all. I just was, listen, the the talking point, the the common refrain from the CDC is there's been no documented cases that uh, contact between humans and and companion pets, there's been any transmission. And then this sort Mm -hmm. of, this dog from Hong Kong is kind of like a game Mm -hmm. changer. And so you would agree that just from the contact with humans, it's very mm-hmm. possible that that dog contracted it from their human. I, I mean, would you say that that is something now that that you say it's established or it's a little bit still too early to make that sort of declarative assertion? I would say it's still, we don't know the dog is really infected formally, I think. So if, but if it is infected, then it would have almost certainly got infected from a human. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. But, this, but. Has with, uh, this has happened with influenza in cats, and you know, there's been you know, or people, cats get sick from their humans, yes, um, right. and dogs yeah. and ferrets, not, but and... they don't necessarily propagate that infection, so it's a bit of a dead end, you know. We, we, don't, we yes. don't know if this, this is a dead end situation or not. You don't know if, if dogs don't seem to be epidemiologically important in the transmission of it as of yet, right? Right, also, okay. let's not okay. forget. It's a 200-year-old Pomeranian. So. Yeah, it's a 17-year-old Pomeranian. <laughs> oh, I mean, my goodness, man. Pomeranians yeah. are like the heroes of our time. You know, they're just heroes with fur, angels not, with fur. So. Agreed. Not I totally no, agree. Not we're, we're not talking about Pomeranians. We're talking about the, no. the, the, the 200-year-old part. Okay. So, yeah. So, <laughs> let's, so, let's talk about vaccines then, Dr. Whitaker. Mm-hmm. So, people are talking about vaccine. I know that I see the CDC director up there talking about, and they're talking about fast-tracking vaccines, which freaks people out like me. And all of this. So what, what do you think is going on with that? Do, we don't currently vaccinate humans for coronavirus, no, do we? No, not at all. No. Yeah. Are, yes. So we, we do vaccinate some animals, um, but yep. be careful. Um, I, I don't think there's, I wouldn't say there's, a, in general, a success in vaccinating an, you know, animals is particularly good for coronaviruses, so they're challenging. And I think we but, talked about that in corona, coronavirus update number one part one yeah. because we talked about the fip vaccine in cat yeah, so we talked about that already like yeah because so mm-hmm. this is, i still have this picture of this title of this paper where it just says early death in fip vaccinated animals due to vaccine. so that, <laughs> yeah. that's that title for a <laughs> for a paper and it's just it sticks with me a lot that's a less than ideal outcome <laughs> right oh so you see early death at the start of a paper you think but they is- didn't get corona <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that I, I and i think i heard something on the news today that said uh two to three months is what i think that um maybe that task force the white house task force was mentioning they think they're two to three months away from a vaccine yeah um, there's lots of numbers floating around but i think the and, it, oof. and anthony fauci is coming out he's the director of NIA, yes. and he's i think he's saying at least a year i think it's his his, his, his response but i think it's more more realistic is that's the amount of time yeah. So that's really not going to at least deal with this outbreak because that's it. You know, it's not the flu. It's not going to move quite as fast, but it'll it'll be yeah. everywhere within a year. And and then then I think the interesting question is what happens what happens next in terms exactly. of is, is this is this just going to be an, an infection that just hangs around in the human population now forever? Right. Um, or does it like, burn out? Like, does it burn yeah. out like SARS? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's it, well, SARS was SARS didn't really burn out. It was it was burnt out by public health, so it was really actively 
dealt with in terms of quarantine and isolation and, and, and things. So I just wanted like a shout out to public health. Yeah, that was a giant <laughs> mic drop there. That was great. I, yeah. I, I didn't burn out. We just took care of it and squashed it <laughs> in its tracks. Right. Forget about it. We're doing the same thing with this coronavirus. That's right. Well, mm -hmm. I, I'm not I, sure because... MERS-CoV has persisted, right? MERS is, MERS is a very unusual system. That's just sort of, it's not really propagating human to human, but it's just right. continually coming out of its animal reservoir like every year. It just yes. back and from the camels. So it's, you know, that's just not been dealt with. It's just there. It's, in, right. it's within, you know, it's coming, people are getting sick within, and it's mm -hmm. spreading within hospitals and healthcare workers, mm -hmm. but not really going any beyond, anything beyond that. This COVID-19 is clearly going beyond that. It's definitely yeah. got... So there's a, a new a new phrase that I've kind of adopted actually just recently in the past week or so of a, and? a car coronavirus C A R which stands for community acquired respiratory. So this is a term I found it in a medical textbook. And so one one thing I'm telling people is that this is coronavirus number seven for humans. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to, everybody's everybody's heard of SARS. A lot of people have heard about MERS, but there's also um, if I'm doing my math right, four other human coronaviruses, right. which, which are car car coronaviruses. So they, we just they're they're causing the common cold. They're just circulating yeah. every year. We, we're not really dealing with them except just we're just getting sick. And, and, yeah. Uh, so, so, um, so one, one quick question I had another car, and, but just a high end one in terms of clearly right. has more more um, bad outcomes in certain people. But it's yeah, oh, it's yeah. the sexy sensational one right now. Yeah, right. But it's it could well be that it just. It kind of goes away and then it just comes back mm -hmm. next winter, mm -hmm. like, like influenza comes back and we're just, we just, right. it, so at that level, the vaccine is, developing a vaccine is, is clearly important because we'll deal with it. Right. Like, you know, with that, mm -hmm. we get the, like we get the flu shot, we'll get the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. The corona shot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think so Dr. Courtney covers, had oh, one sorry. question. Yeah, thank you, uh, that, So that covers a little bit about prevention, but as far as the those who are at highest risk for potential fatality and mortalities from this, I was wondering as far as treatment is concerned. And I didn't know if you had any updated information in regards to that tr the clinical trials on, I believe it's called remdesivir. Uh, they tried he, out, they've trialed it in, in yep. FIP. Have you guys already talked about that? Yeah. Sorry about we that. We did. If you've already mentioned it. Yeah. We did. Oh, okay, never mind. So if you've already talked about it, then I will look at that later. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> okay, like a blister showing up after the work is done. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. We love when Dr. Courtney just like pipes in to the In Other News podcast. It's always fun. So I will, so I will ask you this, Dr. Whitaker, a little bit on the spot. I'm not going to ask you, would you rather... Okay. okay well, that, 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 <laughs> but another question. I see. Yeah. But <laughs> really this. although, would you rather turned out to be very popular in the Candyverse? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, uh, but I would ask you this: so, if if there are three things that you think that veterinarians, as humans, and as people who work with companion animals, who you know, people hold right here by their face, what do you think are three things? three key things that are like most important things that veterinarians should know about this Corona. Could you come up with three kind of top things? Three things about this. Well, I think the back to the, it's not particularly new. And okay. a, lot of people, a lot of people have never heard of it's like a brand new virus. It's not a yes. brand new virus. <laughs> it's not new. It's not new. <laughs> this virus Excellent. is new, but coronaviruses are not new. And we've, we've been, so that's what, that's one thing to, yep. for gen, not just for veterinarians, but, but in general, it's not, you know, and it's not, and there's no, there's no evidence really that animals are a risk in terms of getting sick from an animal. 
think that's okay. so uh, unlikely. Uh, yeah, except for the 17-year-old Pomeranian. I think. <laughs> See? <laughs> Signalment is important. 200. 200. Yeah. So we can't, uh, can't be ruled out, but you know, it's, yeah. they're not a, they're not, then in general, they're not at risk from a patient in, that, that is, is on there and on okay. their, in their clinic. Um, so, um, and then I just, I think just there's more tra back to the travel. And I think I'll, I think maybe I'll end with a concern that I have for, for our, you know, for our students. Yeah. Is that, um, ne next weekend we're hosting thousands of students for the SAVMA. Oh, that's right. You guys are hosting symposium at Cornell. Right. So, and I'm giving a talk on FIP. So if you, if, if the conference is still held, then go hear my talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> everybody's like try to figure out yeah. is going to happen because yeah it, because we're, in, we're a little over a week away and um what's it's hard to predict even that week out is it's just really trying to deal with travel right now in terms of what yeah. there's so much uncertainty in travel and conferences are getting cancelled and oh i know uh, everybody's so cancelling everything even in uh, europe I, and i yeah what's the right thing to do for this the students who planning this for a year and yeah. so much work into it. And if it just gets canceled, then it's, it's just, that's just not, not good. And so, think about the Olympians, right? Because right, the International Olympic Committee yeah, hasn't made a decision yet. More importantly, they'll miss, the most important thing is not an Olympic, they're, they're going to miss Dr. Whitaker's lecture. So we can't, Hello? we just can't make that happen. All right. It's that's, all about the lecture. Oh, 100%. That's right. right? That's that's whatever, that happened every four years, but Dr. Whitaker's lecture, I don't have any idea, right? So. <laughs> One of my personal thoughts right now is that it was abstract deadline day last Friday for the it's the, the big every three year coronavirus meeting in, in <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness so this is gonna get starts to be ironic because the coronavirus is yeah. gonna like cancel the coronavirus meeting yeah. isn't it, it ironic if they do hold it you've got to make sure that all the experts go on different planes just so yeah different planes yeah. right we can't have everybody go to it's like like what they used to say about the people who knew the recipe for coca-cola right. they all had to fly on different airplanes <laughs> oh that's fabulous that's fabulous okay so let's see so the top three things that we need to know are don't panic because corona is not new this is just a new corona right Right. Number two, at this point in time, it's grossly unlikely that a companion animal is going to give us corona, mm -hmm. especially in our exam rooms. So go ahead and hug those kitties and puppies. Just make sure they don't have something else, right? Flu, ringworm, these are things that jump to mind. And then number three, just make a conscious decision about travel. Yeah. If you're going to travel, look at where you're going and, and all of that sort of thing yeah. and be aware. Right. But, you know, I think those are three things that people ought to be aware of even when there's not a novel coronavirus. Yeah, right. Yeah. Number number four, buy, buy stock and face masks. I don't know why that wasn't brought up. 3M. <laughs> yeah. I'm already, I mean, I'm sorry I was kind of absent. I was, I was, I was with my uh, broker there. We're getting some, some face masks. So. I'm good to go for the oh, next yeah. 10 years. You, you and I have the same, same broker. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, so what, so you're going to expand the basement, Jason? Are you going to expand the basement so that I have a room there? Yeah, no, uh-uh. I'm just going to expand my, I'm just going to expand my basement. <laughs> oh my god that's fantastic well dr whitaker we so very much appreciate you taking time to update us on covid19 part duh. um 
<laughs> as, it, mm. as it continues to dominate our news feeds. And um, it's wonderful to hear um, the good news is that we don't need to panic. We can understand the, the mechanism of transmission, the severity of illness produced in what populations, and that information is the antidote to any fear when we're talking about an infectious disease. Uh, so, cor um, correct information. Yeah, no fake news. No fake news. Fake we news. want real facts, not alternative facts, real facts. <laughs> and so I guess we will uh, cross our fingers that the veterinary students of the country get to hear your FIP lecture next week. We'll thank Dr. Courtney for popping in. That was absolutely incredible. Fantastic discussion today. Thanks for your yeah. time. Yeah, we love it. And those of you in the Candyverse New Towns, we'll see you on the next episode of In Other News. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.